Well, good morning. Welcome to church and Lego Sunday. I have one request of everybody, which is that if you have small children or a lack of impulse control, stay on the outside of the flags. There's a lot of hard work that has gone into many of these things, with the exception of, of Arlo, who dropped his probably five times on the way in. And so what it became was five times different than what it started out with, uh, but there is some amazing creativity back there. So especially if you have small children, um, use those, those flags as a guide for where to look from so that we don't end up um, potentially toppling any very important uh, Lego creations. And then next week, the very next Sunday, is Vision Banquet Sunday, which means that if you are connected to our church or you are trying to decide if you want to be connected to Cooks Hill at any level or if you are a member, this uh, Vision Banquet is the future. We are talking about where we're going, what God is doing, what we hope to see, um, some dreams, uh, some, some vision really for 2023. And so mark your calendars. Uh, you will not want to uh, miss it. So we are in a series on prayer. And we're really trying to launch 2023 with the intention of being closer to the heart of God. Being as close to the heart of God as we can. And today we're going to talk about adoration. Um, and I really honestly felt like this particular Sunday would be so simple because adoration is such a simple concept until I started researching it, then it's not as simple as one would think or uh, believe. But we're going to jump into a couple different stories. The first one is when God appeared in Exodus, he appeared in the form of flames in a bush. How many of you guys have heard this story? And Moses seeing the flaming bush that wasn't turning into coals, he walked over to the bush to see, like, why is it not turning to coals? And, and from that bush came a voice, and it was the voice of God. Later on, Moses was fleeing with a whole crowd of people, and they began to be pursued by the enemy army. And they were attempting to recapture them. And so Moses and this group of people were fleeing. They were on their way out. And, and they ran up to the sea. And Moses, like, reaches his staff out over the rock. And God splits the sea in two. We've heard that story if you grew up in church. And at one point during a particular journey in the Old Testament, there was concern about travel. And the group that was traveling was saying, I don't know which direction we're going at all times and, and how we're going to get there and how are we going to travel at night because it's dark. And so then God provided a fire for nighttime travel to guide them and a cloud for daytime travel to guide them. In the Old Testament, we're told another story of three men who were defying the orders that were given to them at the time, and, and they decided to follow God instead. And so then they were summoned by the person in charge, and the person in charge said, I don't want you to follow your God. And so he threw the three guys into a fire, which was a full flame fire that he had intentionally requested, was heated seven times hotter than a normal fire, and those three men walked out of that fire completely unscathed. Another time we read a story, most of us, if you grew up in church, have probably heard the story of the guy who got thrown in a den full of lions. 
He's in a pit of lions for three days, and in that pit of lions, there is nobody uh, who could understand why he escaped without any bites or scratches or, or fights whatsoever. Moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we hear the story of Jesus walking on water, the story of healing people of all sorts of ailments, causing fishnets to be completely full of fish when it was totally empty on one side of the boat, casting out demons, and, and demonstrations of God's power were always on display. There was no shortage of a visible power of God at work. And in our world, full of pain, full of hurt, full of death, full of chaos, full of confusion, we often ask the question, where is God in all of this? Is God ignorant? Is he oblivious? Does he care? Is he apathetic? Meaning like he just doesn't care what's going on in the world uh, around us? Like where is God in all of that? And these questions or these thoughts are thoughts that most of us have had at some point in our life and, and maybe not for a while if we've seen God do some cool and amazing things or, or maybe we have that thought every day. Like, where is the power of God in my life? Where is the power of God in our world? Uh, where is the power of God in what I uh, see? And in all of our situations, in the crazy and the chaotic and the spaces where we are hurt or wounded, the underlying question is, is God powerful enough to do something about this space? And today we're going to use some of the Lord's Prayer as a part of our conversation. And most of us know how it starts and have either memorized the words or heard them growing up. And, and it starts, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Those words roll off our, our tongues. Uh, we don't often stop to think about them at all. Or they might be a regular tradition in your life. They might just be that random phrase you hear when you go to church with grandma or when someone drags you to Lego Sunday, um, the one time or few that you hear them. But typically, we have at some point in our lives had some exposure to the phrase, our Father who is in heaven. But at the time that this was written, what rolls off our tongues like nothing would have caused a collective gasp from the entire audience. A collective gasp. We hear it, and I didn't hear any gasps which tells us the audience is different, the context is different, the culture is different, because at the time that this was said, it would have caused a collective gasp. See, uh, the disciples had been watching Jesus pray, and, and they had noticed that there was a difference between the way that they prayed and the way that Jesus prayed. And so they began to say, what is that difference? Why do the prayers that Jesus pray sound different than the prayers that I pray? And the disciples had probably prayed their entire lives. And they had tons of practice, years of practice praying. But somehow their prayers still didn't see what they felt was the same attentiveness to Jesus' prayers that God showed. And so they began to ask the question, what am I missing? Why are my prayers different than Jesus' prayers? And why does it feel like the response is different? And so this is the question that's uh, being asked in this space. Jesus, teach us how to pray like you pray. So then Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, to which at that point the room would have completely gasped. Completely gasped. It would have been like a, a, a stop moment where people went, 
See, the disciples had no question about the power of God. No question about the power of God. We do today. We have a question about the power of God. But the disciples did not. They did not for a second wonder if what was going on in their lives could be impacted by something powerful that God could do because they themselves and close generations had experienced incredibly powerful things. Things that we don't get to experience today. I mean, I mentioned a few of them. God's power coming through burning bushes and people in flames not burning up and and people not getting eaten by lions and people walking on water. This was like a regular occurrence of the day. And so there was no question of the power of God. There was no reason to believe that God wasn't powerful. That may be our question now, but it wasn't their question then. So when the disciples are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray like he did, they're asking what's the difference between how you pray versus how we pray. Because they prayed to a powerful God, but it didn't quite sound like what Jesus prayed. So Jesus says, pray like this, our Father. And in that one title for God, the way that Jesus prayed was different. See, Father was a personal term. And in a world where powerful displays of God were the primary thing, In a world where you saw incredible displays of power, you had no problem praying to a God that was powerful. But that was a prayer in a distant way. The names they used for God when they prayed were distant names. He was known in sort of this like great big display of power sort of way. But Jesus offers the alternative not to diminish God's power, but to illuminate his personalness. And the initial reaction to all of that is probably like, how dare you? Our father? Like, is lightning going to strike? Like, let me move out of the way. This is bad news. This is not good. We're not going to do this. We're going to get out of the way. It's Jesus, so I guess Jesus can do whatever Jesus needs to do. But, like, he said to pray like that, and I just don't know if that's a good idea. Because Jesus prayed to a powerful God in a personal way. Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Jesus prayed to a powerful God in a personal way. There's a tactic used throughout scripture from the enemy to depersonalize God. And depersonalizing God doesn't just eat away at the character that we believe of God and the trust that we have in what God could do, but it also eats away at our identity. And it eats away at our relationships. Let's walk through a story of how this happens. At the very beginning of scripture, there's a story many of us have heard uh, of Adam and Eve. And they had the whole garden. They were offered by God the whole garden with the exception of one tree. And they lived in perfect harmony. They loved God. They loved each other. They felt the personal nature of the friendship of God in that space. And their community was perfect. They loved each other. They felt the friendship of God. They didn't experience shame. And there was no brokenness. And in that space, they were given almost 100% freedom. Almost 100% freedom, with the exception of one tree. And then it comes to the serpent. And the serpent comes in, and, and he takes a hit at God's character. He takes a hit at God's character. He didn't outright demand. He didn't say, hey, just eat this and do it, or else, like, I'll do something to you. 
Like he did not come in and demand it. He just came in and said, do you really trust God? Do you really trust God? The enemy has been taking hits at our view of the character of God for years and constantly. God's offer was nearly limitless, and in one question, the nearly limitless, generous, and amazing offer by God to say, you can eat at literally anything you want except this one thing was now stingy, and, and, and like God was the gatekeeper of, of the resources, and, and he was keeping uh, really important things from them, and, and, and it was a problem. But the other important thing happening in this text is that the serpent uses a professional title for God. God is called Yahweh Elohim in most contexts, which is Lord God, with the Lord being this deeply personal father term for God. But when the serpent references God, he just uses Elohim, like just the God part. He drops the personal touch altogether and just leaves the more abstract and more positional term. It, it would be as if, you, say, your dad is a doctor, and you are a teenager in your home, and you decide one day that instead of calling your dad dad, you are just going to call him doctor. And so in your home, you now just refer to your dad as doctor. Not doctor dad, not doctor, just doctor. And, and while it's true, your dad is a doctor, teenagers don't get any ideas. Um, it's true, your dad is a doctor. However, it's a really impersonal way to walk around talking to your dad. But that's what the enemy does here. And Tyler Statton, who wrote a book called Pray Like Monks, which we're using for this series, he breaks down how the depersonalization of God is so dangerous. And in order to give adoration to God, we have to remember two things. One, who God is, a personal father, and who we are, a child of God. Tyler says this about Eve's encounter with the serpent and the depersonalization of God. When she imagined God as something less than father, she in turn imagined herself as something less than daughter. Let's read that again. When she imagined God as something less than father, she in turn imagined herself as something less than daughter. In giving adoration to God as a personal father, we gain a new identity of who we are. Called of God as his children. Loved, cared for, in a personal relationship Throughout scripture, God addresses children as beloved, amazing, incredible, people that he wants to bless and shower with love. Matthew 7 says this, if you then, though you are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to bless you. His predisposition is to love you and to bless you and to care about you and not just give you what you need, but he also wants to give you what you want. So first, the serpent chips away at the character of God, making him less personal and seem more distant, and, and that sort of made him feel less trustworthy, and then Eve failed to remember, because of all of this, that her status as a child of God was really, really important, and that being a child of God was by far the most wonderful and incredible experience that she had had. 
And then what happened after that? Her relationship suffered. Not just her relationship with God, but her relationship with Adam. They became ashamed of each other. There was a, a brokenness that began to set in. A fracture occurred. Because now Eve had forgotten who God was. And she had also forgotten who she was. A daughter of God. Adoration begins with recognizing God as our father. When we call on God as our father, we're asking God to reveal his love, to care for us, to protect us. And, and in this series, we're talking about so many different types of prayer and topics around prayer and ideas around prayer. And adoration is just one component of several weeks of study. But prayer is the place where we recover God as a father. And through that, we recover our own identities as children of God, and then we begin to recover our identities as community. And I want us to end today on two different types of adoration that we can offer to God, two sort of practical uh, different types of adoration. And the first one is potentially surprising. It's called defiant adoration. This is the first type of adoration. It's called defiant adoration. And, and you may be wondering, how do defiant and adoration go together? Because if in the normal sense of adoration, like if we are offering someone gratitude or, or praise, we would not normally do it defiantly. Uh, but God is powerful. And so defiant adoration is a component of adoration. And there's a story in Acts where there's a, a, a question being asked about the power of God. And it's a story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16 when they're traveling and they're going to meet a group of people to pray. Like to have that feel good, sit in the presence of God moment where, where you know he's working and you feel his love and you are surrounded by people who know he's working and also feel his love. And on the way, they come across a girl who was in rough shape. She had been trafficked and she needed freedom. And Paul and Silas created a path to freedom for her. But then people found out that Paul and Silas had done this. And they said, no way. You do not get to free this person. And this is the thing we work towards regularly. If you have not heard of Set Free, we support them with our coffee. Uh, because they're actively freeing uh, human trafficking victims to this day. But Paul and Silas were doing this. They were walking through. They found this girl who needed freedom. And so they set out to free her. And then people found out and people said no. And so they were on their way to this prayer meeting where they could feel the presence of God and sit with people who knew and loved God. And instead they got thrown into prison. So they were stripped, they were beaten, they were tossed into jail, they were chained, and instead of feeling the warm, amazing feeling of God's presence with other believers, they were instead feeling cold, hard stone and really hatred-filled gazes from guards. And they do something interesting in this space. They begin to sing praises. They begin to bring adoration to God. And in reading this, you sort of go, well, that seems like a really weird idea. Like the most likely thing you should do in this space is immediately start begging God to save you. And, and they get into this cold, hard, uh, chained position. And instead of sitting there begging God to heal them, and to get them out and to save them from this encounter and to, and to uh, sort of provide a way out, they start singing the praises of God. Because they knew that God had not forgotten them. 
They knew that God would show up. And they knew that they could trust him. And so they began to sing praises. And that story ends with an earthquake where the entire thing is shattered. And, and, and they are freed out of a space where they are singing praises to God. So the first type of adoration is defiant. It's to say, I know my situation, but I know my God. I know how much this sucks, but I know my God. I know that what I'm going through right now is really, really terrible, but I know my God, and I know what he can get me through, and so I am going to praise the God that I know that can get me through it in this sort of defiance of my space, adoration of a God who cares. And the second form of adoration is more known to us. It's a gratitude adoration. It's a gratitude adoration. And gratitude adoration is simple. It's offering thanks to God. It's easy to do if you can point out and recognize all of the things that God is doing in your life. Sometimes you may have to use a list or another prayer if there isn't something that you feel you can be immediately grateful for. But gratitude adoration is one more easily practiced by us. And so today what I want to do is I want to end on reading a prayer of gratitude together. And then we're going to sing a song of praise. And then we're going to go uh, look at Lego creations. But will you do that with me? Will you stand? And then let's pray this prayer together. Accept, O Lord, our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the splendor of the whole creation, for the beauty of this world, for the wonder of life, and for the mystery of love. We thank you for the blessing of family and friends and for the loving care that surrounds us on every side. We thank you for setting us at tasks that demand our best efforts and for leading us to accomplishments that satisfy and delight us. Thank you for disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. Above all, we thank you for your son Jesus, for the example of his life, the conqueror of death in which we are raised to the life of your kingdom. Grant us the power of your spirit that we may know you and make you known. Jesus, we are so thankful in this place here today for the goodness of God, for your power at work, for the places where we see you and know that you are working and experience who you are. Father, we thank you for all of the little things whether they are just the, the moments of green grass or, or the, the children that we have around us or, or whatever it is that we can point to and say, thank you, Lord, for this. But Father, we also pray a prayer of defiant adoration in that, God, we know that you see us and we know that you see the things going on in our world, whether that's just our, our own family our work life, our home life, our, our own minds, where maybe there's a battlefield that is currently waging war. And so, Father, we, we praise you because we know that you will work. 
We praise you because we know that you see us and that you care. And Father, if anyone is here this morning wondering uh, where you are or where is the power of God, I pray, Lord, that this would be the morning that you uh, show up in really tangible ways. We give you this time of praise. In your name, amen.